All right, in the spirit of coming back from the islands, eh, como mai? That means you're welcome. I mean, welcome here, that kind of, not your. <laughs> anyway. I, I, I tell you what, it was hard. Not the jet lag, I'm still feeling. I'm on fumes right now, so my mind is seemingly shot. Um, but if you ever get a chance for, to go for your 25th anniversary, I think Julie and I next year are going to go for our 25th anniversary again. <laughs> Make it part two. <laughs> anyway, it was a great trip. Love being able to see family and friends um, growing up with and um, seeing these these young kids at school now that I'm going, I'm looking at these kids that are wrestling at the high school, getting ready for the state championship last week. And, and I'm, look, I'm seeing their parents in, in their faces. And I just thought, wow, what an experience. I'm never, you know, I'm getting old. <laughs> but it was just a great joy um, for that. And just on a completely separate note, uh, after the service is over, before the closing prayer, Paul has an announcement he's wanting to make. I'm going to make mine right now. We're getting ready for this year's Camp Cope. And some of you have offered to help in the past. And for those that don't know, Camp Cope is where we, um, we spend a week with children whose parents or guardians are incarcerated. And it's a wonderful, wonderful week to share Jesus Christ with these kids ages 8 to 18. Um, it's, it's not easy. This is a hard week. It's a good, fulfilling week, but very difficult um, but if you are interested in helping as a counselor or coming as a volunteer in any capacity, come talk to me, let me know, and, and I'll sign you up. I get to be the director, so I get to do what I'm wanting to do. So if you want to come, by all means, um, come see me. All right, so this morning we're going to talk about a subject matter that I think it's one that you hear from time to time. It's a very quick, easy lesson as far as biblically to see on here, but hopefully it's something that if it's not in line with the way you think, that it becomes more, as I see it, biblically sound way of looking at the subject matter of grace and works. And of course, the title is Grace That Works, and hopefully that gives you insight into what we're talking about. When we're, when we're speaking of the subject, there's always these polar opposites, right? When we're talking about grace and we're talking about works, and, and the, the debate is always, well, we're saved by grace or we're saved. Um, not, we know we're saved by grace, but you have to work for your salvation. And there's these words that somehow we just use in a variety of ways. And rather than doing that, hopefully we get to see what the Bible says. And so some on the one polar end claiming Christianity have this concept of grace alone, Right? Reformed theology, Calvinistic minds, they have this teaching, sola scripture, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. So you have that one extreme, and, and depending on how they use that phrase, some use that phrase very differently than others. Same phrase, but different way of explaining it. But that's one end. Then on the other end are those that are, quote unquote, if I can make it as easy as the top line, works alone. I don't know of anyone that actually says that, but that's the mindset that many have in the way they live their walk with God. It's this works-based salvation. And so others will admit we are saved by God's grace because the scriptures are explicit about it, but our salvation is dependent upon our good works. And therein lies the difficulty and the debate because some are looking at that saying, well, that's completely false. 
We're not saved by our good works. Our salvation is not dependent upon that. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to have some passages that we're going to read. That's why it's a shorter sermon today. We're going to look at these passages and summarize what these passages, among others, are saying. And so I want you to open your Bibles to these texts that we're going to be looking at. So concerning grace, here's what Titus chapter 3 says. Let's go to Titus 3. We're going to just look at five passages among many that we could look at that deals with this subject of salvation and grace together. So Titus chapter 3. Here's what it says here. In verse 5, picking up here. uh, In fact, I'll back up to verse 4 and get the context. When the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of the uh, regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And so in this subject of discussion, he's talking about how we have become heirs through God's grace. And that it is not from our works, but from the mercy of God that we received this grace. So that's one. Here's, by the way, I'm, try, I'm having a hard time looking at y'all, not because you guys are a good, handsome group, but my glasses are broken, and I've, I've glued them back together until I can get prescription, new, new prescriptions, and they're almost ready to fall off. And so I'm afraid to put my glasses on is what I'm saying. So bear with me. It's embarrassing right now. I'm trying to, trying to see you, but all I see is blur. So, all right. So that said, Ephesians chapter 2, here's uh, the text um, dealing with this concept of God's grace in this second, what we call chapter 2 of Ephesians. And he says to them, beginning in verse 4, no one engage. Oh, make sure I'm in the wrong. See my eyes. I'm in the wrong book of the Bible. Here we go. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so in similar fashion that Paul writes to Titus, he says to the church at Ephesus that while you were dead, by the grace of God, you were made alive. So while you're dead, you can't do anything, right? But he made you alive, so it is by grace that you will not boast. Then he says in another um, aspect of this text, it is not a result of your works. So very clear. Very similar from the text here in in verses 4 and 5. He says similarly in verse 8, it is not the result of your works so that no one may boast. And then in 2 Timothy, go to that text here, 
and we read uh, the fourth passage. And in 2 Timothy, he makes it very clear, this testimony that he has in his proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 8, it says this. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. And so he goes on to say uh, later on that it has now been revealed by the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ and abolished death and brought life and immortality through the gospel. And so very clear again, as the other passages, not of works, but by grace. And this grace was according to the very purpose of God. God's purpose was that he would save us because we could not save ourselves, right? And so for those that were in the Bible study this morning in our in our uh, study, in we're dealing with the prophets in general, and then Daniel coming on Wednesday, is this concept that we go from the very beginning where God and man are together, and we see man sinning. Perfect state, but man sins. And every character that you look at up until Jesus Christ is a sinner. No matter how good they are, they still sin. And so God purposed that he would, of his own accord, bring us salvation because none of us could ever, quote-unquote, save ourselves or keep from being lost. And so he makes it very clear, not of works, but by grace. And then finally, concerning God's grace, he says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 21, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, as he's talking about the law of Moses in particular, if righteousness comes through the law then Christ died needlessly. And so he says, I don't, I don't want to nullify the grace of God because it is foundational to the whole gospel message, right? The good news is that while we cannot save ourselves, God's grace does. And so you've got this aspect of grace that is all throughout the message of scripture, particularly in this New Testament, right? So that's Grace. Now, in summary, then, what he's saying is we're saved by grace, not of our works. We're made alive while dead in the trespass of our sins. We're not saved by works, lest we boast, and many people can tend to do that, not saved by our works. It is God's purpose that we're saved by his um, grace. And then righteousness comes by grace. Righteousness does not come through or by the law. Those are passages among many others that give us a summary of this subject of grace. So, what does the Bible say then about works? Well, look at what it says here. In these passages, we're going to see something very similar. So we were in Titus chapter 3. Now go back to Titus chapter 3 and read again with me because in the text he says, this is a trustworthy statement and concerning these things, I want to speak to you confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds or as the New King James translation says, good works. So here we are, we are people who are believers, and because we've been saved, we who believed will be careful to engage our lifestyle, our walk, in good deeds, in good works, okay? So here's one thing it's saying about works. We've been saved, now we ought to work as people who have been saved. So very clear, some would say, well, it sounds like what you were saying in point two in the opening, right? 
that we are saved by grace, but our salvation is dependent upon our good works. So we go further. Let's read what Scripture is saying. In Ephesians 2, which we also read earlier, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Earlier in the text, we were saved not by our works, but by God's grace. But as saved people, we are created for good works. And we'll see how that works. We go on to another text in Philippians 2. It says in verse 12 and 13, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Just as it was by God's grace, right, by his pleasure, by his purpose, we have been saved by his grace. But as people who have been saved, we are told now in this letter to the church at Philippi, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Right? You've been saved. Now I want you to take your salvation and work, live as you've been called. And to do it with awe and reverence. Right? Work it out with fear and trembling. Not the whole concept um, necessarily that it's limited to the, the statement of this picture where you are afraid of God, but that you have such a respect because our God, who loves us and saved us by his grace, can take someone who does not walk with him, who does not live out the calling that God has given to him, can say, you are not walking with me. I saved you, but you choose to reject me. That's a concept that we're talking about here. So work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And then also, and finally in this last passage, in Titus chapter 2, in verses 11 through 14, which Embry read for us, note the, the bookends, if you will, of this paragraph. The grace of God has appeared, or for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desire and to live sensibly righteously and godly in this present age looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed so there's this aspect of God's grace by sending his son to die in our place therefore right the whole purpose of this is to purify for himself a people for his own possession those whom he has saved, he would set apart and purify for his own people, his own possession, zealous for good works. So all these passages that are dealing with good works, we're going to see as stated here. Believers are careful to engage in good works. Believers are created for good works. Believers work out their salvation. And as we see, God purified his possession, his people who are zealous for good works. So what does all that mean? We just went through these five passages, six actually, and these nine points that are very clear. You're saved by grace, not of works, but those who are saved are created for work, right? For good works. What does all that mean then? Well, if we were to summarize the whole Bible story, here's what we see. Grace at work. I want you to just take a big picture of the Bible. This is why we're going through the Old Testament 
stories, the Old Testament history, right? The histories. And getting this picture of this big arch where God is with man, as we were talking about in our discussion this morning. And man, because of his own choice, right? I lean on my understanding. I think this is good for me to do. It would make me like you, God, rather than I'm already in your image. I can choose what is right or wrong. I can do things my way, right? I don't need you. And so he has a separation. We call it sin. He does not have this relationship with God in this perfect fellowship that God created him to have. And that perfect fellowship looks like this, that we are living in harmony with the God who has created us. Right? That's the state that God meant for us to live. And if we do that, we would be kind and we would love one another. We would not take advantage of each other like Cain did toward Abel. We would not take advantage of each other like you can read of the following stories after Cain and Abel, right? Genesis chapter 5. And you can read how ungodly mankind was so that in chapter 6 we see God judging mankind. We see the beginnings every single time, and that's why maybe God willing next Sunday we'll deal with the whole new creation aspect of the Garden of Eden started that we looked at two weeks ago where we see what God's intent is for a new creation. And what we see in this Bible story with regard to God's grace is that God brings us back into this fellowship with him so that we would learn how we ought to live. And how we ought to live is with good works, which is the way God intended from the very beginning. And what we see at the very end by those who are judged. For instance, in Matthew 25, when Jesus says there are going to be those who are separate on the right and left, it is those who are on the right who said, when I was naked, right? When I was hungry, when I was thirsty, when I was in prison, what were you to me? You're loving. You're caring. That's the people who, by the grace of God, has been saved to live and walk this way in their lives. That's our purposed calling. Our Christianity, in my opinion, has been so watered down that we limit it to this building here and we make sure we get everything right here and then we go out and live our lives and we're supposed to be good moral people. Whereas the focus on the scripture is very, very abundant of our 24-hour-a-day, everyday life so that we worship God in spirit and truth is not just here, but every day. That we love our neighbor every day. That Good Samaritan passage, right? What is the great commandment? And he says, here's how you live your life. Where you love your enemies. That's the calling from the very beginning that we are told in all these passages that we just looked at and many, many, many more. That tell us, here's how we ought to be living. Our lives should be full of justice. That we see something wrong, we take care of it. Like right now, just, and I don't, not desire to be political, but it's just a political issue, right? We see all that is going on right now in our country in the discussion of abortion recently. And there have been some very good points, and I want to make this emphasize, good points about how many in the name of 
Christianity sit idly by. When in fact, we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. We stand for justice in everything. We see the downtrodden, we lift them up. In this case, it's babies who are not just unborn and whose lives are being taken away, but even now as we're seeing new laws being created in our land where they can be just born and still be taken away. God forbid, brethren, that we are created in Christ Jesus for good works and all it is is Bible discussion. But if we're truly created for good works, we live out our salvation in fear and trembling before the creator who has made us to walk with him. And so this is where the rubber meets the road, where we're talking about grace that works, right? Because we've been saved, we've been saved to be made a people, a new creation in Christ Jesus to live a certain way, to not just get it right at a building, but 24-7, the way we live our lives. And so what that means then as we conclude this very short sermon is God's grace is extended to us who believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior who dies for us because we're, we weren't good enough, right, to live before a holy God. In fact, I'd venture to say right now um, very, very boldly and confidently that even through the blood of Jesus Christ, we still sin. In this room, at any given time, there's going to be someone among us that's living in sin right now. And when we go home, some of us may be guilty of sin. And throughout this week, some of us are going to be guilty of sin. And then we go on through our lives and we could all, if we were to be very honest, we know that we don't love each other as we ought at times. We know that we have hatred at times still dwelling within us for all the wrong reasons. We know at times we have immorality exercised. And yet through the blood of Jesus Christ, Our sins are washed away because we who still have sins to deal with because of the flesh that we live in, right? Romans 7. Because of that, we still desire to walk with God. We still desire to ask him forgiveness of our sins when we fail him. We have a desire to love our neighbors. We have a desire even to love our enemies, even if we don't do it perfectly. It is by that grace that we've been saved. That grace compels us, or it should compel us, to live out our lives in good works. That's a huge difference. You're saved by grace, and that grace compels you to live with God and for God. Huge difference. Whereas some would say, we got to live good works for salvation versus because of salvation, we live for our God according to his purpose. That nuance is very clear. And I hope you see that nuance. It's biblically sound. It's one which motivates you to walk in a manner that It's good to share good news. But it's the other way around. It's like, oh, I got to do, I got to go to church. I cannot do this with you guys. I got to do that. Versus 
The other way, because of God's grace, I'm compelled to love him the way he has shown me his love and to love others the way he has shown me his love. What a huge difference. I get to go worship an awesome God versus I got to go worship because it's the right thing to do. Huge difference, brethren. I hope you see that. It's grace at work. Our song, Unto Thee, O Lord, is the invitation song. If you want to take your songbooks out, if you chose to do so. If not, it's going to be up here on the screen for you. But I want you to see that as we go forward, like in next week's sermon, we get to see how this transformational change takes place. That transformation explicitly in the Bible is because of the grace of God. Lest we boast by the purpose of our God for us. And let it be clear that as we do this, we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We love God with all our soul, with all our strength, with everything that we have from our hearts. Um, I can't see you guys. <laughs> Whoever's doing the song, I think it's Ted. <laughs> Go ahead and um, lead us in the invitation. Thanks, Ted.